Hello and happy Nintendo month, everybody. You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in Nintendo music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Uh, It's been so many years that we've been doing. Every November, we take all four weeks to Mm -hmm. uh, do a spotlight on strictly Nintendo music, whether it's an individual title, a series, a particular veteran composer from the big N. Uh, We've been doing this for years and years. It started with the launch of the Wii U, because that came out in November, and we wanted to sort of celebrate that by doing a... Yeah, Nintendo month, and we've been doing it ever since. And speaking of timely Nintendo consoles, the first week of Nintendo month for 2020 is going to be focusing on a really awesome soundtrack for a Nintendo Switch game that came out this past summer. This is Paper Mario Origami King. And if you, for some reason, are under a rock and you're not familiar with this game or with the score, spoiler alert, it's incredible. An incredible soundtrack. Um, I basically want to commit to doing a part two at some point because there's so much music in the score it's a massive score so i would be definitely down to do a part two at some point yeah and the cool thing about these games since they are rpgs um is you get quite often that classic nintendo melodic plucky quirky sound yet you also get this quasi filmic approach where characters have themes and those themes are mutated and i mean it's not dissimilar to kind of things koji kondo does with various levels reinterpolating kind of the main motif but yeah uh, you know with these rpg story based games the individual characters like you know olivia and king ollie and princess peach they all have their own distinct almost like film-like light motifs that are incorporated a lot of those will come back time and time again now there's so many techniques that these composers did in this game particularly they threw everything everything at the wall and and we're trying to see what stuck there's really fun pastiches in almost every possible genre that you could imagine it's all over the place it's so i think it's because the game is a comedy the the writing is really funny i've been enjoying playing through this game and the whoever the local some of the best writing i've ever seen in a game yeah really outstanding and so i think a game like this that it has a big epic scale it's a fun cartoony world with a really stylized visual aesthetic it kind of has a lot of runway for composers to take a lot of chances and really commit to these very different kind of uh you know taking the music is like playing it totally straight but that's where like the humor comes from because it goes as far as it can possibly go in all these different directions one thing that i enjoyed listening to the soundtrack is hearing the pieces that sound like quote mario music or nintendo music at the very least and then hearing the pieces that absolutely do not right and honestly my favorite would probably be the stuff that isn't necessarily going for that classic Nintendo sound. I would agree. Let's talk a little bit about the composers. So this was developed by Intelligent Systems, and we have a total of one, two, three, four, five composers that worked on this game. Now, the lead composer is Yoshito Sekigawa. So that person... I think it's safe to say composed the majority of the music on our episode today. I've heard some people speculate that the majority of the battle music in particular was done by Sekigawa. So keep that in mind. We don't have any other breakdown. Also joining him, we have Sho Murakami, Yoshiaki Kimura, the wonderful Hiroki Morishita, and finally Fumihiro 
Isobei. So those are the composers we have. You guys heard Overlook Mountain playing in the episode. Let's keep the vibes going. This is going to be such a fun time today. Let's move on to the next one we have on our playlist. It's Toad's Barbecue Food Eatery. guys listening to the adorable toads barbecue food eatery and if you didn't know this game was a comedy this particular track would let you know uh i really like both of us were saying we like how they made it sound like it's coming through an old radio uh with eq and compression and verb how they were able to do that um yeah it's, it's really cute now this is actually one piece of music that does feature some real performance there's some real violin or fiddle i should say on this track and so yes this score does feature a little bit of real performance uh at really kind of tasty times when they decide to include that but all of the the production i would say on this whole score i think is really well done all the music sounds really good it's just brimming with personality yeah it's so colorful i mean and that's i think if i had to summarize my experience with origami king in one word it would be colorful yeah um, i mean visually the i i've always loved the the style of the sort of paper doll cutouts but this game has a really interesting approach because it intentionally makes a distinction between the characters that are flat two-dimensional yes. paper dolls in the ones that are made like origami and they're folded like it's hilarious designs it's it's really funny how that plays out in the story but just in the visual design there's so much color and depth and texture and it's just such a great style and i feel like the composers are almost literally trying to mirror that sense of texture so you have not just so many different genres like we've alluded to in different production styles that are going to feature everything from classical to jazz to techno to To disco to edm it's kind of everything in between but even you know a piece of music like this there's so much more going on under the hood than its surface level it Mm -hmm. it kind of has this really bluegrass almost polka innocent sound to it with some of these instruments that we're hearing like you know accordion and clarinet and fiddle yet the way that this has been produced and processed is uh it's meant to sound like it's coming out of sort of a cheap radio speaker because this is actually an example of a piece of music that i guess you could consider this source music in the game Mm -hmm. because this is actually a song that comes out of a boom box in a stage but it's great because you know it functions much like a lot of video game music does where it's just so perfect reminds me of odyssey (laughs) a little bit exactly that's the other thing i wanted to say i feel like for pieces of music like this I, they were really taking their instrumentation cues from Mario Odyssey. This track particularly reminds me 
of the uh the mariachi track mount what, what is it the like mount volbano the food county with all oh, that with one the also i was thinking mandolins the mariachi track as far as it being music that's coming out of the game yeah the, the exactly no well. that's true and then also it reminds me of that koji athletic theme absolutely well let's that, keep, let's keep sort of the happiness kind of going this next track i really like a lot it's a little bit more chilled out than that toads track it's really well done this is overlook tower from paper mario origami king You guys are listening to Overlook Tower. It's a wonderful composition from Paper Mario, Origami King, for the Switch. And I think this score truly has everything. In my humble opinion, it's by far the best Paper Mario score. It blows everything out of the water. Um, Just to me, I think it has all of the really effective, sometimes silly, zany background music score style that a lot of the other games had. It definitely has plenty of that. But they also have tracks like this that stand up just as a piece of music. Really outstanding melodies, really good writing. There's a lot of jazziness in the score, which is something that I don't think the series has necessarily heard as much. Um, So I'm just such a big fan of the score. I can't say that enough. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think all of the elements of this game are kind of on equal footing for me, where it's just, it's exceptionally well written. I think it's a very creative approach to gameplay, and there's a lot of, they, they solved a lot of problems, I think, with the sort of conventional JRPG turn-based format, and by turning that into something that's a different style of gameplay, that because really when you think about it, yeah. turn-based RPG gameplay really is more like solving a puzzle. Um, and it's about using your brain in a different way. And what I love about Paper Mario the Origami King is it uses those moments in a very overt way to become like a puzzle game style yeah, game for play. sure. Um, and the, what's so fun about that, and we're going to hear this a little bit more later on, is there's a, there's a very distinct approach between how the battle music is scored into how the stage and environment themes. There's a the lot stage of contrast between themes, the two. A lot of it, that's where we get more of the sort of classic Mario Nintendo-y sound. Some of that can also be quite adventurous as well. But mm-hmm. uh, what I'm so excited is to get to some of these just incredibly well-produced battle themes 
both tracks. It's incredible. Let's move on. Uh, this is called Toad Town, and there's different variations of this melody. This is the first one you hear when it's deserted. It's Toad Town, Ghost Town, and then a little bit later, we're going to fade up a different iteration of this melody. And for me, I actually consider this to be the main theme of Paper Mario. There's a few tracks that we haven't played that feature this melody, yeah. but it plays yep. a really prominent role in meeting one of the main characters. And this is sort of like the main sort of home base area of yes. this game. You're constantly coming back to the Toad Town and the orchestration grows as you rescue more toads. Well, let's check it out. You guys listening to Toad Town Ghost Town. This is from Paper Mario Origami King, and this is the first version you hear of the Toad Town theme. It's very sparse and simple, and there's something that kind of reminds me of the Yoshi's Island map theme in that um, you hear these different versions that get bigger and bigger um, until it's like almost like chaotic as far as how busy the arrangement is, and that happens with different um, what the soundtrack calls removals. So the red streamer removal, blue streamer removal. The more you remove, the more gets added to the arrangement. Um, what we're going to do in a bit is we're going to hear this other version of the melody. It's called Toad Town Port, which is my second favorite version of uh, that melody. But yeah, this is such an adorable introduction to this. This is so good. Well, and it's... Uh, a type of orchestration that we've heard before from Nintendo, the mixture of oh, yeah. this plucky staccato marimba sound and that recorder melody. The mixture yep. of those two are elements that you know were quite familiar to the music of Nintendo, and I think that's really their attempt to translate the musical style that was established on so many titles um, back in the yeah. NES whether it's the Super Mario Brothers series or Ice Climbers, Gyromite, Excite Bikes, all that kind of stuff. The really mm -hmm. plucky staccato, Hip Tanaka, Koji Kondo, Akito <laughs> Nakatsuka, that sort of sound. That I whole think thing. This is, yeah, it's their way of translating that musical style that has elements of novelty music and ragtime and old show tunes and translate it into acoustic instruments. And it's this quirky, childlike ensemble. The record is a very pure sound it's almost like a sine wave um, mm -hmm. and, but it, because it has these open holes you can have really smooth connecting legato lines, well i think this like, is a you know this is a perfect a textbook synth. way of using the recorder there's definitely some nintendo games that have used it really poorly and we won't get into that right now but this is a great way of using it but what a beautiful melody you guys just heard a little bit of that toad town port version which t turns it into a waltz it's so beautiful i love that because this game is an rpg you get to have 
have these moments that would never happen in a Mario traditional platformer game. You get to have these more kind of RPG themes uh, that are so beautiful and, and sometimes kind of slowly evolve. So yeah, this is such a diverse score. Let's keep going. Uh, the next piece on our playlist is a really nice classical pastiche. It was a standout to me. Uh, this is called Big Show Theater. You guys are listening to Big Show Theater. Now that's S H O, uh, more of a reference to Shogun, not a reference to like this is a show, but it's kind of a pun, I think. Obviously, this is really, really good. I wanted to give uh, a little bit of crediting here uh, since we're hearing some wonderful real performance. Here's all of the different instruments that are featured in this game. We have a handful of violin players. We have uh, two viola players. We have two cello players. Three flute players, uh, looks like two oboe, two clarinet, two bassoon, uh, a few sax, couple trumpet, a trombone, horn, guitar, airhu, and then we have a smattering of different vocalists. One of the vocalists, this is really fun, take a guess, Will, who came into the studio at some point and added some vocals uh, to this game. Kazumi Tataka? Yoko Shimomura is featured. Wow. Isn't that hilarious That's awesome. and fun? Yeah, let's talk about fun. this. What do you think about this big show theater? It's great. I mean, it's it's a very obvious um, 18th century pastiche or even earlier. Uh, the mm-hmm. use of the harpsichord doubling on the bass lines is a technique that was used uh, back then. And the nature of the kind of functional harmony and the really beautiful, this almost sounds like Vivaldi or something. It's yeah. really lovely. Something that I was really dazzled by in the arrangement, and I think this is a soundtrack version of trying to recreate an experience that you would have in game is that if you notice uh, about one third of the way through the sonic environment changes we're hearing all these close mic positions and the instruments are panned in a sort of balanced way and then you know a little bit way through around sort of the first loop or the repeat of some musical material suddenly the sound world almost makes it feel as though the instruments are further away Mm -hmm. we're hearing more of the room mics or more of the reverb signal and the panning changes as well i think this is a way to capture they probably had 
um, multiple different stems or different versions of the music that would change and be dialed up in different ways depending on where you were. In fact, it probably wasn't stems. There was probably actual processing yeah, I think happening so. to have that sort of 3D binaural audio effect when mm-hmm. you're playing in game. But I love that they represented that in the soundtrack. And because they did, it actually makes me think that it's possible they may have recorded this piece at different mic positions. Oh, so I'm rather sure that's than what they having did. that processing happening, maybe they're crossfading between it was a great choice. The two elements. One of those things that a lot of people probably wouldn't notice. I'm glad we were able to call that out. Well, you've heard a little bit today, guys, of the sense of humor that not only this game, but the score has. This is a great example of that. And it really shows you how diverse and unique this score is. It's unlike anything you've heard in a Mario game. That's the case with this. This is The Elastic Entertainer Enters. Now, this features... Um, a female vocalist. So who knows, guys? This could be Shimamura-san or it could be someone else. Let's take a listen to this really fun piece. So yeah, this score is phenomenal and hilarious and all over the place. This is the Elastic Entertainer Enters, and just this one piece of music shows you how diverse it is, going from that really silly like pop opera sound to this like metal, this really raw rock sound. Um, They took her voice later on and they kind of sampled it to turn it into this synth, which is so cool. Um, Yeah, that's clearly not (laughs) Shimamura-san. That is um, a trained singer there. Um, But yeah, and I don't know, maybe Shimamura is a good singer. I don't know, but I have a feeling this is not her here. But what a crazy cool piece of music. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I, I love that melody. It feels so inevitable, but again, presenting it in this very humorous setting um, is is so delightful. And I think a lot of the humor, not just in this game, but in this series in general, it comes not from the quirky, you know, the the goofy sounding music that's slightly dissonant, but it comes mm. from the really earnest expression, musical expression that is intentionally used for irony or mm-hmm. cliche. Uh, And that's some of my favorite types of musical comedy. I don't mean musical comedy like a like a stage musical, but I mean like things like 
uh, Flight of the Concords and Tenacious D where it's like yeah. it's funny because it's such great songwriting that really evokes stuff that we've heard before but you have to have the such chops a reverent lyrics in order to have that it's effect. used in yeah exactly and I think uh, yeah whenever we hear kind of musical parody using comedy I think that's why so many comedy films tend to have such great rich scores I mean you think about a lot of John Debney movies like Hocus Pocus or Liar Liar it's this beautiful yeah. earnest rich orchestra music but that's part of the humor comes from the irreverence of Jim Carrey against this really sort of almost pastoral like it's that juxtaposition American right music. Yeah, yeah, it's it's at the center of a lot of comedy. All right, guys. Well, it's no surprise that the track of the week this week is going to be Red Streamer Battle. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't even really uh, an argument at all. It's This is one of the most fun, exciting Nintendo tracks in a number of years. This is such a great piece of music. It's this week's track of the week. Let's take a listen to Red Streamer Battle. funky and delectable track this week's track of the week it's red streamer battle i'd like to start will today talking about the arrangement and the performance it's really nice that now i have this crediting of the score i know what's real um you know 100 percent and what's not so you have sequence drums sequence bass for sure um but i think a lot of the other things you're hearing are real performers particularly winds and brass um, I think you have some some other like keyboard things and like clav and stuff like that. Um, but it's a really exciting arrangement. It fits at home in the Paper Mario series, but it also fits at home in the overall umbrella of Mario music. It's so cool. I also think it really works well for the gameplay. We described that the battle sequences are these really stylized puzzle game type events that use this rotating board. It's really creative, and it's one of my favorite things about the game. It is uh, fun. And there's something about this instrumentation style that so fits that gameplay. First of all, it does the thing that a lot of RPG battle music does, where it amps up the energy to sort of make up for the fact that it's not really action-based gameplay 
gameplay. Yet the it specific feels like timbre though, choices. It? Yeah, the specific timbre choices here that are very retro. Whether it's going for this kind of old big band sound to sort of a '70s fusiony with the wah pedal and the clav, or even the low piano octaves doubling the bass lines and stuff. There's something about that that's so charming and feels quaint and old fashioned, and that blends well with all the the stylized kind of paper mache looking. Um, design of the yeah. gameplay. It fits like a glove in a way that I can't quite really articulate why. It's just this perfect marriage and when you play it, it in does the game, fit the game it's really just well. like inevitable. Well, one of my favorite orchestral choices is going from the kind of big band harmonized sax melody that starts off the track and then for that next melodic section it's doubled with flute and electric distorted guitar. I love yeah. that pairing. It's such a cool sound. I, I Yeah, I think it's going for a really sort of cheap easy almost yeah like older television sound like it reminds me of a lot of like Lalo Schifrin or Henry Mancini like it's this sort of jazz orchestra arranging textbook where it's not about subtlety it's not about you know small nuance of colors and it's not about some big orchestral reverberant sound it's all about it's just about um, fun yeah, it's really about, it's a Celebration. fun, quirky ensemble. And the thing that's so great about it is it makes all the music hang together because whether it's a piece with just recorder and marimba or whether it's this sort of quirky big band, there is that eclecticism. There is that blend of things from the symphonic world, things from the jazz world, things from the pop world, synths. They're all mixed together. And at every level, the small, the medium, the large, there's that same kind of quirky mad scientist at play putting these disparate elements together for sure. and that's why so, it holds together we'll mention the melody we heard in toad town as being one of the main themes of the game this would be considered the main battle theme of the game and they take this melody and on a lot of other battle themes in this game they will mess with it there'll be a variation yeah. where they might turn it into minor or they might kind of you know have a different b section we're going right. to play out the episode today guys with a different version of a different battle version well, of this melody I- i'm glad you mentioned that because this battle music is one of the pieces that or at least this sort of um this category of themes for the game are some of the music that you hear most often and oh my it, god it, yes. sometimes it's so great i just i choose to go into battles just to hear more of this music again. you hear this so much um, but it's interesting yeah the melodies in this game and i don't i'm not saying this is a bad thing i think it plays into sort of their spirit is they're sort of halfway between these like purely composed themes and melodies that feel living and almost improvised this yes. one i think is a great example yeah. where where the opening gesture feels composed but the way it sort of wanders and explores and disappears back into the texture it's trying to get the feeling of an ensemble that's tight and together but each little instrument comes it's forward and has it's something exciting. to share. Yeah, and it's it feels improvisational. It's just jazzy. It's good, man. Like it's it's yeah, it's very kind of effortless almost. Well, this is another track that completely blew me away, and I was like, what am I listening to? I guess I'm listening to Paper Mario. This is Sniff City Royal Hotel Pool.
such a cool track. I don't know the context. I did not get this far. This is Sniff City Royal Hotel Pool. It's absolutely hilarious. There's another piece of music. I think it's close to this in the order of the soundtrack where it feels like this piece you would hear at like a soccer game in like South America. Um, And so, yeah, there's a lot of different world music influence um, that these composers can tap into at certain times but what a fun piece of music yeah there's something so 80s uh and retro about this composition it is again though it hangs together with mm-hmm. that quirky ensemble and there's something Wonderful about recording how, too great yeah, performance the, the the vocal performance here with that rich vibrato it's very dramatic vocal. it's very you know 70s 80s pop vocal that it's just really out there and theatrical almost um, I love that. Well, that. well, I have an opinion about this. Everything about this is taken seriously from even the the quality of the vocal, the vibrato. It's really powerful. It's well-recorded. Every single thing is serious. The only thing that makes it funny is that she's singing la, 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 and there's no words. That makes it hilarious. Well, I, I do think it would probably be funny even if there were lyrics because there's something so not as heavy-handed funny, about it. It's not subtle. It's not nuanced. It's yeah. really big and heavy-handed and, and silly. And like you said, it's something you'd hear at a sporting event. It's yeah. Everything is turned up to 11. And the quirkiness of... I mean, the context is such a big thing. We're not used to hearing score in video games that has this sort of present in the foreground wordless vocals like Mm -hmm. that. So by subverting that context, you know, it immediately gives us that humorous feeling because they they want you to notice the score and they want that to add to the the humor of it. And And I think that's why working on comedies is so much fun as a composer because you're allowed to break a lot of rules. You're allowed to make the music distract from the experience. You're allowed to kind of do things and be more present and go too far in an emotion because you want people to laugh. That's not like in some kinds of films that would be a bad thing because it might, Mm -hmm. it might detract or in certain games it's like, Oh, that's, you know, this music here doesn't take the moment seriously enough. Um, But what's so great about something like this is it just adds more detail. It's like more things to enjoy in the theme park of the game. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's all icing on the cake. It didn't have to go this hard, but I'm so glad they did. Now, one of the areas that this game is stacked is great battle themes and we couldn't play every great battle theme today. We're going to move on to one that is so classic paper Mario. It's very devious, um, and it reminds me of some of the other themes in the series. It's really good. This is Event Battle.
How fun is this? You guys are listening to Event Battle. It's adorable and zany and devious and so much fun. Like Will said earlier in the episode, it's just colorful. I mean, you can see so many colors just listening to this piece of music. I really like it because it does remind me of some of the other earlier games, such as Super Paper Mario. There's a quality to this zany synth that reminds me of, of a little bit of that score. Um, but again, it's just better, sounds better than the, the Paper Mario series has ever sounded. Getting the real guitar double-tracked in there is just such a treat. Well, I think context is so important. And I think context, not just in terms of how music is placed in a game or a movie or anything, but also context of how an individual element in a track is placed. And I think this kind of quirky, obnoxious, chromatic synth sound is something that we've called out and criticized in Nintendo games before, whether it's certain boss music in the Galaxy series or stuff from the Mario Kart series. But I think part of it is... There's a level of intention that it's not just that we're like imagining it's there from the composer, but it's communicated through the production of the track by having Mm -hmm. these really polished, well-produced guitar and drum uh, rhythm section and then melodic lines that take over. It makes the choice of that synth timbre so so explicitly intentional. Absolutely intentional. I I love that you said that, Will, because it's the contrast. The problem we have with some earlier Nintendo boss themes that have this sound is everything about the track is that quality. It's all this kind of midi synth stuff that's all kind of gross when you put it all together. But the contrast of the really good production guitar and rhythm section with that and, and you know it's not a bad melody, but the synth that it's playing is so wild. And it feels so self aware. It feels so self-aware. It's almost parodying itself. It's it's so oversaturated. It's like all the music where it's just so overstuffed. It's taking yeah. whatever emotion it's trying to convey and turning it up to 11 in the nth degree. And I think that yeah. synth, not just the timbre itself, but the gesture, the line that it's playing, some of the weird sliding pitch bend stuff in the vibrato, yeah. it's all meant to, again, just take what could be, you know, all you maybe just need a little dash of salt and they're pouring the whole thing in oh but that's yes, the aesthetic are. approach is with almost every spice it's like you know throw the whole Decadent. everything but the kitchen it's sink a it's a it. game of decadence for sure well we'll talked about uh parody or pastiche and this is a great example this is a send-up of early 90s hip-hop and maybe pop i would say it's really really fun this is deep deep vibes
God, this is fun. You guys are listening to Deep Deep Vibes. And uh, yeah, Will brings up a good point about this. Some of the sounds that you're hearing almost sound a little bit more modern, but I think the composition is is kind of this early 90s hip-hop throwback. Uh, well, it's it, it's hard a cool combo. Sounding modern means sounding retro because yeah. so much of it's full circle. pop music aesthetic is about you know paying tribute and reverence to kind of some of these older hip hop. But in gestures. any case, this is some sort of pop send up because it does not sound like Mario music, and I think it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of actually reminds me of, and just the eclecticism here reminds me of something like Mario Maker or Mario Paint, where you can have like that robot save theme that's that yeah. kind of techno-y beat I think it's in the spirit of something like that where you just bring a totally foreign outside musical element in mm-hmm. to have some humorous contrast uh in general like what i love about the arrangement of this is just how polished and modern it sounds it sounds mm. like something you'd hear in like a target commercial or an iphone commercial it's that's on the like nose trying man. to be sort of hip and urban but still sort of clean and safe and this sort of instrumental hip-hop that's another something thing about I'm that that's like with- so funny this team is they're able to nail the the nods, the homages. Uh, they're able to actually get the sound perfect. Yeah, it's something that is really impresses me too because I think, you know, so many, I mean, you can think of all the great examples in like Animal Crossing, all the different KK themes yeah. that are done in different styles, but that's meant to be sort of a cute tongue-in-cheek homage. This stuff yeah. is like, it reminds me of, uh, I mean, again, in a lot of comedy films, there's composers like Theodore Shapiro, who does all of Ben Stiller's movies, uh, mm-hmm. gets to write so much great music that's like making fun of whether it's like intense ostinato driven action music or whether yeah, exactly. it's meant to like, I don't know if you remember uh, his a music from Tropic Thunder, but yeah, there's oh, a course. lot of send ups yeah. to certain kind of cliches in film music. And I feel like these composers are great at not just acknowledging that something is a genre, but like you said, nailing, nailing the it. production. That makes it funnier. Well, guys, it is just after Halloween when you're listening to this episode, but when we're recording it, it's the day before Halloween. So I'm down for a little bit of some thrills and chills. The next track is called Thrills at Night. It's super funky. What a cool track. You guys are listening to Thrills at Night, and I love all the things that they're combining. There's so many different send-ups in this track, from that kind of stereotypical creepy sci-fi to straight-up disco uh, to a lot of other a lot of other things. It's just really fun. This is Thrills at Night. 
This is a thrill a minute for sure. I, I like the I like that blend. I love the mixture of the I kind love of the blend. quirky horror elements, but the fun dance party. I think it it's evocative not in specifics, it. but it's evocative in mood of something like Michael Jackson's thriller, where it's like it, it it's one foot in the door of like campy horror, but it's mostly just sort of a fun dance party. And yeah. I feel like this track, clearly in a different style with this disco-y funk sound. I mean, it sounds more like Prince than anything. Um, but also then mixing that with the cheesy like jazz flute and all this stuff is just so charming. And something I wanted to call out that uh, it happened in the event battle too, but mm-hmm. are these little moments in the score that are taking a second here or a minute there of just kind of playing a wink to some of Kondo's Mario music. Like yeah. there's a moment in the event battle that's meant to sound like the underground theme. And even that right. like, da 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 is I sure. feel like evoking the da 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 you know. Yeah, it's very subtle, but it's very it's it's well done. Yeah, there's something in this area of the score. There's there's a couple themes that we had to cut that I really do like um, that maybe sometime we'll be able to do a part two. But I was kind of hearing a Jake Kaufman Shantae influence in this kind of section of the game. There's some a little bit more like Arabian meets disco vibes in this part of the score that I really, really liked. Okay, let's move on to another battle theme. This is Velomental Battle. guys listening to the excellent Velemental Battle. I adore the battle music in this game, particularly the ones that each have their own identity that are really its own piece of music that's not so tied to the Red Streamer battle theme. Some of that stuff, uh, there's like three or four different variations of that that I'm not really that into because it's kind of just this manipulated Red Streamer battle. Uh, melody where this one there's only one element of it that's uh, that's a callback to that original red streamer theme and it's the rhythms of the drum hits yeah that that same thing happens in uh for the first time in the red streamer well and then the arrangement you know having these guitars and that kind of big band ensemble but really it's its own piece of music and it's outstanding yeah and i think kind of bringing these uh, harmonic and melodic flavors of whatever the particular boss is. And this one, I think, is meant to have some of these folky world music cliche Uh elements to it because of where you encounter this boss 
and it's like this. I think I, I forget what the monster is, but it's some giant like. You know, it's meant to have like an Asiatic dragon kind of almost but it's a Chinese tongue cheek. quality to almost, it. Yeah, but the, the entire game, tongue the tongue is inside the cheek. <laughs> it yeah. never comes well, out. And, but what I love is it's bringing those sort of cliched elements into this framework of what the boss battle music is, which this high energy rocking drums and distorted guitars mixed with big band and kind of jazz orchestra arrangements and i love the blend of that in how all the different kind of specific moods or all the specific kind of characters or themes that are brought into the battle music are all channeled through that kind of lens yeah i think it's a great idea all the again so much of this isn't just about writing interesting music or writing music that fits the specific moment but it's all these ideas that really help stitch and knit all of this score together to be Mm -hmm. one cohesive thing. And for something that's this eclectic that goes in this many different directions, I think that's really impressive that all of this stuff still fits and it's all, you know, and that reminds me of what we're moving to. This is one of my favorites on the whole score. It's called the great sea. And yes, there was a reason this choice was went for. There's a context in the game and there's a specific homage or send up that they're going for. But, what I love about it is we now have this wonderful piece of music that does stand up just on its own. This is a great piece of music, a great melody. It's beautiful. And you can divorce it from all of that and still enjoy it, which is so impressive. Let's take a listen to The Great Sea. Absolutely gorgeous. You guys are listening to The Great Sea from Paper Mario Origami King. And this one, fun fact, I did do my Excel spreadsheet method. This one had the highest rating for me. It was even above Red Streamer Battle. Obviously, that is a perfect track of the week and really good at encapsulating spirit of the game. But I was blown away by this piece of music. I think it's so well done from the composition to the arrangement to the performance and recording. It's just amazing. Yeah, there's something so delightful about this approach. And in terms of context, again, uh, that this isn't underscoring, you know, like a French villa or something. Mm -hmm. There's something about the way that the style is married to the 
the I guess the spotting or the placement in the game that is actually really special and kind of heartfelt. Yeah. And I feel like there's a connection to Kondo's musical style because he sort of established oh, yeah. that, you know, three four, the waltz is the sound of water music in Mario. Mm-hmm. But what I love is this is a completely different take on a piece of music in three four. It evokes this very European, what be it French or Italian with the accordion, kind of romantic, wistful folk. It's so cliche, romantic. Which is so different than the kind of Johann Strauss concept of the like orchestral waltz that Kondo was going for but it still has one foot in the water no pun intended of Hmm. that but again I love that this could have been a piece of music that's evoking something seafaring evoking the music of sailors something swashbuckling something in in that kind of idiom but I love that it's this really heartfelt piece and again a really smart um, kind of breadcrumbs that the composers lay. Carl mentioned earlier, and we we played it actually underneath our talking of that Toad Town Ghost Town music. Whenever the you port, get to the yeah. port by where the the um, the Toad kind of. Uh, ship captain would yeah. be that music actually changes to be in three four. I think that's a subtle way of kind so of effective. helping us along for the ride. That this great sea music is also in a sort of similar style in three four. I also just loved the chromatic flourishes and touches uh, that this piece had. It just really added even more beauty, sophistication yeah, it's just a to gorgeous it. melody and a beautiful. Sensitive arrangement. And again, I love, we've talked about a lot of this stuff where it's like music that's either going all the way into a specific cliche or music that's kind of going against it, but almost just as intensely. And there's so much of that in this game where it's something that, you know, this could work as like an 80s rock journey song, yet it's being done with these quirky vibrato voices and these like Mm -hmm. plucky instruments. This is a similar thing. I mean, you could do this with a big lush romantic orchestra but doing it with this quirky sort of children's ensemble helps to tie it into the fabric of the rest of the game well let's now move on to uh i think a piece of music that's really close to that great c in the score and so i also imagine the game similar area this is the princess peach which is i know that it's the theme of a ship called the princess peach in the game let's take a listen
So good. You guys are listening to The Princess Peach, and it's using a lot of the same techniques that were used in The Great Sea, but they're cranking all of those techniques up to 11 for more comedic effect. So yes, there was chromaticism in The Great Sea, but there's so much chromaticism in this, The Princess Peach, that it makes it really funny. And there is this drunk, sick at sea quality <laughs> to this piece. It feels like you're seasick. Yes, I, those syncopations definitely make you feel like it's that sort of awkward phrasing of the waltz that bum 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 that sometimes you actually get in classical music, but then yeah, eventually you have you sort like of hear, a limp. It's in this it. twisted six eight with an emphasis on the fifth beat. Do 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 five one two three yeah. four five six one two three four yeah. five six one two three four five. It's always putting that like second to last beat has emphasis, which gives it sort of this unstable top heavy sound because you have all this movement on the first half of the bar and the second half sort of dies down uh, it's it's really interesting how it's phrased there's something about it it reminds me of like a folk classical dance like i would a love to put this track on an episode where we talked about set like sense of humor specifically in N nintendo games uh tracks that are supposed to be silly or like there's something kind of wrong happening there's so many pieces that do it so annoyingly <laughs> and in my opinion just not tastefully this is a really great example of how you can add some humor some zaniness that kind of drunk feeling with the music but it, it's also very well done i mean this is there's a lot of beauty to to be appreciated in this track as well so i'm just a really big fan of it yeah it's very delightful i love the tremming mandolin sound it, me too it feels, this is another one it reminds me of that same kind of food kingdom i forget the luncheon kingdom i think it was called in mario odyssey yeah um, with some of these italian sort of cliches that really are great for mario music but haven't really been exploited that much up until this point which is ironic since mario is clearly italian it's true let's move on to a really unique piece of music that was a standout to me it's shangri spa obviously a pun on shangri-la um, this one is pretty relaxing, but there is a sense of darkness and wonder to it. It's quite beautiful. Let's take a listen to Shangri Spa.
You guys are listening to Shangri-Spa, which I really love. I think it's potentially a hidden gem in this gem of a score. And I'm down to fight anyone who thinks that there's another Paper Mario score that would come close to this. It blows it all out of the water. It's so good. Um, well, yeah, there's so much going so on much in this intention. track. Oh my god, I know. Every single part writing. of it is masterful. I love all the vocals. There's so many different vocalists featured in this track, and they're all panned in different spaces, and they each have their little moment to shine. There's a lot to enjoy in this piece. Well, and I think it's... Uh, one of the things that I'm so impressed with is... I, it's my predilections come to a really simple, perfectly composed melody, which there really aren't a lot of those in this game. Th- these melodies are kind yeah. of verbose. It's a lot of notes. They're really uh-huh. active and they're kind of quasi improvisational, which in a which certain is good context, for humor for a certain kind of game. Yeah. Might feel wrong. But what I so am impressed with this score is the the thing that's dazzling about it comes from the attention to detail and comes from the scope of it. It's really wide reaching. It's not about this like single focused clarity, but it's about I don't know if you all felt these large this, gestures. But another thing that makes it so special is when they choose to go for something different. When they choose to have yeah. more of a clear, simple, beautiful melody, it really hits you. Yeah, you know, I think that's a good point. In uh, something like this, this chord progression that's so mysterious and romantic, maybe it makes you think of like yeah. Lawrence of Arabia, or it makes me think of composers like Ravel or something. But it's that kind of, uh, you know, overall modal major tonality with a lot of darkness borrowed from the Phrygian mode. So if you think about like the one major chord going to the flat seven minor, or this sort of half diminished. Very wondrous sound. We kind of mix in together. Or, I mean, we've talked about it before with the chromatic, you know, C major to D flat major. Yeah. Except with all the extensions here, we get that sort of richness, that impressionistic quality. But again, it's so lovely because it's with this quirky, sort of fuzzy, cuddly felt ensemble (laughs) that is perfect for this kind of paper, colorful game. This origami ensemble. Speaking of origami, the next piece we're going to move to is Origami Castle. Now, these next two, this is a one-two punch of epic rock music. Get ready. It's so good. We'll start things off with Origami Castle.
You guys listening to Origami Castle, I love this track. When the rock guitars came in, it was such a cool surprise because you were not expecting it because other than really that texture and then what the drums double at the, at those moments, it's, uh, it's definitely not rock. <laughs> so when that comes in, it was a nice surprise. Yeah, the music in the later part of the score, some of these final battles and these final confrontations are so epic but really well composed more well composed than the the bulk of kind of final battle music you get in video games just really a step above in my opinion yeah but i i'd say not for the world of nintendo this is an area where it's like one of the things that i love about nintendo is they're not afraid to use melody it's like when in doubt let's Mm -hmm. do something really beautiful um and i feel like these composers were taking a lot of their cues from koji kondo's uh, final battle with Bowser from Super Mario 64, that classical, almost organistic a- approach at the beginning, but then breaking out into this beautiful minor lyricism. It, yeah. it kind of reminds me of of that type of thing, but it's totally in their own style. It's not yeah. an exact ripoff of that. It's not exactly even a motivic reference to that. I think it's yeah. just, it's influenced by that type of thing, but again, done in this paper mario quirky orchestral ensemble and i i love how i love how firm they are to that that it's not just like there are these 12 main pieces of music that do that and the rest of it's just right bland general midi synth type music it's all held together with the same aesthetic approach it's Even so cohesive so many different types and of i would music, say that the majority of the music in this very large score has that attention to detail in the, even in the production, if you're talking about that, it might be all all sequence instruments, but uh, they fine tuned it and they really kind of whittled it. That's why I like something like this more than something like cuphead where uh, to me, cuphead is absolutely perfect. Every piece of music is just amazing. It's such fantastic jazz big band arranging, but it's it becomes a little bit monotonous because every piece it's of kind music of is in that same after idiom, well, yeah. where I think this is a great way of having aesthetic consistency while being able to go in almost the opposite direction. The contrast is Every amazing. genre is acceptable. Yep. Any kind of harmonic language, like you can do anything and everything and still keep it It cohesive. definitely gets you a lot more mileage when you approach it that way. All right. Now I, t- I mentioned rock. That particular track had just a just a splash of rock in it this one is a little bit more balls to the walls let's rock with battle with king ollie
Absolutely phenomenal. This is my third favorite piece in the entire score. Are we listening to Princess Connect or Paper Mario? I really don't know because it's <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, there's so much to love about this track. Yeah. So many little goodies and treats in there in the production, but the composition, outstanding. Yeah. I agree. This is a piece of music. It reminds me of Princess Connect in that it's daunting to talk about. I mean, uh, with so much it's of this, overwhelming music. We, we can't go into everything clearly. I mean, we could spend could hours spend the whole day breaking on this, down yeah. a piece of music like this. But yeah, you mentioned the production. So I want to spend a little time talking about something that I noticed that I thought was just so wonderful in the production. First of all, the fact that whenever we get... Um, elements from acoustic instruments, whether it's yeah. the piano or the violin, they're incredibly over-compressed and over-limited in a way that right. um, I've heard pieces of video game music that kind of have this blanket compression for the entire track that just makes it sound kind of over-compressed and muddy and gross. But what I love is they're using the timbre of that compression to kind of dirty up the acoustic instruments. But to make yet, it rock. The distorted guitars almost have this clean sound. I don't mean like clean as in not distorted, but I mean in terms of the EQ and the sound, they sit so tightly in the mix. There's a warmth to their overall yeah. sound. And I love that contrast. It gives it this three-dimensional sound that when we it hear does. that piano interjection early on, it has this sort of muddiness, uh, both in terms of mm-hmm. EQ and compression. And There's then a when the guitars it. come back, it kind kind of feels like we're wrapped in this warm hug of a sound it's a it's i mean a this really is a killer sound. piece of music it's one of the final battles in the game it's pretty confusing for me listening to the score because at least the tracks that i that i saw there's like four or five different tracks that sound to me like a final battle it's like battle with this person battle with this person final battle real final battle and that that's kind of an rpg <laughs> thing you know yeah um, well i also but, love it's like the again the gameplay here is this it's a puzzle solving um which i mean so much nintendo boss battle strategy is a lot like puzzles some of my right. favorite boss battles from the galaxy games are like twilight princess there's an element of you kind of have to figure out the the solution to it yet these are more overtly puzzle game style because there's not a lot of real-time action Um, but I think they do a great job of kind of like the Mario and Luigi series of of blending that where there's the strategy element but sometimes there is a you have to press the button at this right time to make something happen for sure well let's move on to a real hidden gem and it's really easy to forget this piece of music and I don't know the context of this Um, there's some cafe at some point in the game this is called cafe scene now, it's different. There's a piece of music just called Cafe, and it's completely different. This piece is a really wonderful solo piano jazz piece, really. And it's beautiful, and I love it. This is Cafe Scene.
guys are listening to the beautiful piece, Cafe Scene. Will, Will and I, we think this is something that happens near the end of the game. And so I guess, yeah, there's some musical spoilers for sure <laughs> on today's episode. But yeah, one of these composers, I'll give their last names here. We have Sekigawa, Morikami, Kimura, Morishita, and Aisobe. One of those composers, I have a feeling, is is uh, like a straight-up jazz pianist, has the chops here because... Yeah, this is just a, a great performance. Yeah, it doesn't really sound tasty. like it doesn't sound like a video game composer's imitation of jazz. Like it's it, the real it, thing, the, folks. The voicings, the the um kind of way that this melody has been interpreted. The it, it's really authentic, and it makes it feel like source music, which yeah. is why I kind of think this plays in probably. I mean, even just by the name, the cafe scene, it has this quality to it that it seems like something that you would actually hear played in a cafe. It sort of reminds yeah. me of like the source music that John Williams wrote for the movie, the post that it's uh-huh. just this kind of old school, really almost background music lounge piano stuff that you right. hear at a fancy restaurant back in the fifties or sixties. Mm-hmm. Like it has that kind of sound to it. And what I love about this is there there's music like this. Um, that's kind of like Easter eggy, in uh super mario odyssey yeah that the the approach to the jazz arranging there is very like 1930s innocent jazz where this kind of has some of those like oscar peterson-esque dissonances or some of that slightly more not that this is like progressive jazz or anything but you get some of those crunchy harmonies that don't make it feel like the kitty version you know what i'm saying oh yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. This is all grown up. I mean, and again, they're losing themselves in this particular style that, that they're sending up. Well, guys, uh, the second to last of the day, this is just before our playout. This is the ending, and it is the original Super Mario ending theme by Koji Kondo, a really wonderful reharmonization and arrangement of uh, this classic. To me, theme. yeah, it's kind of like realizing what Koji's influences would have been, which has been, it sounds surprising like a piece choices by Brahms times, or Schumann. Let's take a listen to ending from Paper Mario Origami King. Guys, listening to a beautiful arrangement of the ending, and it's the ending. Spoiler alert of Paper Mario Origami King, and I think this is a pretty amazing arrangement here of of this melody that we've known for years. I love the choices that they made. There's some surprising ones harmonically, um, not for this genre. I mean, it's it's very tasteful, very authentic, but. Knowing the original, I mean, I love how they're taking it and giving it a lot more mileage, something that you would hear in a real classical piece where you're taking something and you're kind of manipulating it um, yeah, it's, it's over very the course well of the developed. piece. It's really, yeah, I, really well developed. 
I think that's something that I love about it is I get a little fatigued or annoyed when people take, and it seems like it's always Koji. They'll take a theme by Koji and just sort of reharmonize it however they just feel because, like. Just because, yeah. <laughs> just because they're, they're, the assumption is that, well, this is too simple. Yet, again, as we've talked about at length on this show, you look at something like Inside the Castle Walls, you don't need to add a note in terms of harmonic complexity, and this yeah. is kind of the prototype for that. But what I love about this is, you know, on the NES, there's only three voices. So Koji does a lot of writing in these open parallel chords, yet he's clearly evoking this Germanic, chromatic, classical harmony. And what right. I love about this arrangement is, yes, there's reharmonization, but there isn't a single note of it that isn't totally in thematic lockstep with what Koji was doing That's in the original. That's why it and works so well it, for me. Yeah, it's making it more authentic to the sound of what a composer like Brahms or Mendelssohn well, yeah, would I do. Think what you're getting at, Will, in this arrangement, uh, there's so many different words for this in video game music. Is it a cover? Is it a remix? Is it an arrangement? Whatever you're talking about, every single moment, there's a reason. There's a specific reason why they're making these changes. Um, in some arrangements that we listen to, I'm like, what's? why are you doing this? Like, What's the reason for this? Just to do something different? Yeah. Just to put your own stamp on it? I don't think that's enough of a reason, in my opinion. Yeah, this is a, a f- this is a full realization of the original intention of the yep. piece, which is like it's clearly going for that sophisticated classical music romantic sound with the chromaticism and those beautiful harmonies. And I love that they've just it's such a perfect melody, but yeah. they've really squeezed the most amount of juice that they can out of that melody without turning it into jazz harmony without changing the color or putting a side spin on it it's kind of like just doing the original thing but going further i love the moment when the cello takes the melody and you get those me too pizzicato answering phrases because again it's totally stylistically right on well guys we had an absolute ball with the first week of nintendo month spotlighting on paper mario origami king look forward to some more music uh, left over from this score in the future we're going to play you with purple streamer battle which is again kind of a variation on the red streamer battle so a fun way to send you on your way man that was fun will do you have anything else at the end just that i i hope some of you if you have any time um over the course of this month to pick up a classic nintendo game that is a score you love and uh play the game revisit it just because i've been doing that (laughs) yeah it's 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 such a great opportunity on this show to come back to the reason that we even do this the reason that so many of us talk about games video game music i mean if it Mm -hmm. wasn't for that company in particular I I think so much of the love that surrounds video games and video game music can be reduced to Mario, Zelda, and Pokemon. So it's really like (laughs) without uh, Nintendo, and that's just sort of a cursory that's glancing over so much other amazing stuff, but it's like they really are such a powerhouse when it comes to this whole subgenre. And when we talk about video game music as a style, I mean, to me, it doesn't get better than Nintendo. And I just love that a game like this, a a relatively new title, can bring such imagination and life to reinvigorate uh, such a classic series like this. It's really inspiring. Well, hats off to the entire team of these wonderful composers and musicians, Intelligent Systems. You outdid yourself on this game. So enjoy Purple Streamer Battle. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.